Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. Inside the Gamecocks Podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks Podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's Prediction Friday. It is October 22nd. Gamecocks traveling to College Station, Texas. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. SEC Network. Gamecocks and Aggies. Uh, This is South Carolina's permanent opponent from the Western Division as things stand now. I think when Texas and Oklahoma come into the league, you're going to see something different. But Gamecocks have never beaten these guys. They're 0-7 against Texas A&M. Um, just looking back, we, we remember that first game. South Carolina came in 11-point favorite, a top-10 team, lost 52-28. to 28. Uh, 2015, under interim head coach Sean Elliott, the Gamecocks gave him a game, 35-28 out there. 16, Gamecock offense was really struggling. They got a big run from A.J. Turner early. Uh, One score game late, couldn't get it back. Lost 24-13. 2017, Gamecocks blew a 17-7 third quarter lead. Lost 24-17. 2018, Gamecocks down 16-0. Came back, tied it. Aggies won 26-23. And then the last two have not been close, 30-6 in 2019. Uh, in a game right before the Clemson game, just kind of a get-through game. Um, and then a 48-3 to debacle last year that was sort of the beginning of the end for the Muschamp era at Williams-Brice Stadium. So Aggies have owned the Gamecocks. Not many people know this. There's a trophy for this ball game, uh, kind of like the Missouri game. The Gamecocks have never won, so uh, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. Jimbo Fisher has done a great job. At Texas A&M, recruiting, uh, bringing guys into the program, lots of talent. They're typically in the top ten recruiting class-wise. Don't always play like it, uh, and they've had quarterback issues this year, but they got up off the mat against Alabama two weeks ago and won 41-38 out there and then cruised to a big win at Missouri. So they're kind of hitting their stride right now, folks. And um, – <clears throat> That's not good news for South Carolina. (laughs) 
because you you sort of look at it and it's, it's this is a Gamecock team that's continued to struggle uh, offensively. I think everybody keeps waiting for it to turn, possibly, and stranger things have happened. But folks, it's uh, it's tough sledding when you can't score. I mean that, that that's the bottom line uh, right here with uh, what's going on at, at Carolina. Uh, just some players to look at. Isaiah Spiller, their running back, very good player. Uh, had a 67-yard touchdown run, uh, I think, last week against Missouri. He's uh, the third-leading rusher in the SEC, 659 yards. Uh, Devin Akane, 454 yards. So, you know, they, they've gotten their guys on offense to get it going on the ground, uh, unlike South Carolina. And now the running back room uh, is kind of a, a banged up group. Uh, I think that's what you get when you can't protect and can't open holes. Uh, your running backs tend to get banged up in this league because they're taking a lot of hits and that type of thing. So Juju McDowell, who was suspended last week, is probably the healthiest back. He and maybe Rashad Amos uh, to be ready to go this weekend. I think all those guys are going to be available. I just don't know you know, the extent of those ankles uh, and all that good stuff. But um, should be a tremendous challenge for the Gamecocks. 18-and-a-half-point underdogs going uh, against the Aggies. Going to break the game down. Going to do a prediction here in a little bit, some news and notes. Uh, Shane Beamer uh, on the call-in show last night. Uh, I've been telling you guys this for a while. EJ Jenkins and Josh Van play the same position. <laughs> Haven't been able to get those two on the field at the same time. I think that's probably changing based on what he said. Um, on the call-in show, uh, you had Marcus Satterfield's quotes earlier this week. Uh, and again, not to toot my own horn here or anything, uh, but I called this one, you know, get Jaheim Bell the ball. Uh, and Satterfield said something about getting three touches. I, I think he needs more than that. I, th- I think – especially if the running back room is a little banged up and some of these guys aren't able to go, uh, hand the ball to him, man. Jaheim Bell's a hell of a player. Um, And that's kind of what's frustrating about this offense. You didn't have a healthy Jaheim Bell last year. He got in for one game and re-aggravated an injury. Uh, Eric Henry's done a great job coaching him up. He's a great blocker. He's He's a guy that's just a football player. And, you know, when you're not using him, uh, I think that that's, that's tough, especially when you're struggling on offense. Um, same with Zaquandre White. I mean, I, you know, Zaquandre didn't uh, have a great game. I think at East Carolina, five carries, eight yards. But every other time he's been in, he, he's pr- produced. He's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. Um, so, you know, that's better than Kevin Harris, who's at uh, 6.3 right now but um or, i'm sorry 3.6 my bad uh boy T- tyon evans from tennessee 6.6 yards per carry that's uh that's something else but um you know gamecocks need to get him the ball a little more he can catch it too and just like bells a quandre is a guy that i think can really make some things happen on offense ej jenkins is another guy uh you know all of that um so it was kind of refreshing to hear that from the coaches because we've been hearing that sort of off the record 
as far as Jenkins and Van playing the same spot and the need to move him around and then Jaheim Bell getting the ball more, uh, I think that's positive. Now, here's the caveat in all this. You know, South Carolina lost their quarterback, Luke Doty, last week. Um, Zeb Nolan came in, saved the day against Vandy. Hopefully that gives him momentum. But Zeb's the type of quarterback you got to protect. Uh, and if I'm Mike Elko, uh, the defensive coordinator, Texas A&M, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and, and think that South Carolina's offensive line is anything but a weakness. And so if the Gamecocks can somehow find a way to protect – I think Zeb Nolan can have a good game. I, I think that uh, the mindset has to be there. And and I think Nolan, you know, is a guy that's probably gotten better kind of watching, um, not expecting miracles. Uh, but certainly, you know, when they went to East Carolina and won earlier this year, they didn't really figure it out to the fourth quarter uh, to get some things going, uh, really, you know, and uh, – but, I, you know, this could be a different outcome for Zeb, uh, I think, you know, as far as his personal play goes. Again, you know, South Carolina, you know, they, they've just struggled to run the ball so much this year that it's, uh, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough. So I think that, um, you know, this is going to be sort of a brutal, brutal type of game. Uh you know, in terms of matchups and, and things like that. You know, that said, you know, you, you kind of hear a lot of rumblings this week. Um, some of the stuff I've seen on the message board has been a little bit uncalled for uh, in terms of attacking Shane Beamer, you know, bringing up his personal relationship with Marcus Satterfield. You know, uh, you have people calling it a bad hire already. Um and then, you know, you look at the crowd against Vandy, and I know the State Fair was going on. I know there's COVID issues. I know TVs are great now. But, man, that's just not a very Gamecock-oriented – I mean, that's not the fan base I know. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the fan base I know, there have been more people in the stands late uh, against Vanderbilt. So I hope that's really a secondary thing. Uh, I hope the COVID situation and TVs and State Fair and all that uh, were what sort of fed into the lackluster crowd uh, for Vanderbilt. Um, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Some of you folks out there that, that think you're martyrs, you know, for not showing up and that, you know, if you don't show up, there's going to be change. Uh, no, you're not martyrs. You're, you're part of the problem. If that happens, you know, and, and I'm not telling anybody how to spend their money or time. Um, if you don't want to come, don't come, but don't complain if, if, <laughs> if nothing ever gets better, you know, and here, here's a little lesson in college football for some of you, you would get better by recruiting good players. Okay. Um, coaches are not magicians. You don't just sit there and go, well, I'll start showing up if they recruit. Well, that's not how it works. Um, players, unlike fans, don't get caught up in bad losses or good wins or anything like that. You know, you can look at it and, you know, look at North Carolina, for example. They got a five-star offensive tackle, Zach Rice, out of Virginia. They're killing it in Virginia right now. Uh, they lost to the Hokies first game of the year. You know, this kid's from Lynchburg, right near Blacksburg. Uh, who got Zach Rice? It was North Carolina. 
you know, and, and the reason why is the atmosphere around that program now is good. Uh, North Carolina fans are showing up. Uh, I don't know that they sell the, the great crowd there, but the atmosphere is good. Facilities are good. Mac Brown's good at building relationships, that kind of thing. Um, and did the outcome of the game against the Hokies matter? No, it didn't. What, what players like to see is a big-time atmosphere. Uh, and when you don't have that, and then some of these kids go other places, and they do, that makes their decision a lot easier, okay? So I'm just explaining this for those of you that think you're going to be martyrs and, you know, facilitate change and all this. Kind of, you're my protesting. And I, I think it's a very few, uh, very small segment of the fan base. I think there's other reasons why people aren't showing up. Uh, but look, if you're not, you know, if you're just protesting, things aren't going to change. Shane Beamer's going to be the coach here for a while. Deal with it, regardless of who the AD or president is. You know, he's not getting fired this year. He's not getting fired the next year, and he's not getting fired the next, most likely, unless things just bottom completely out, which they will. Um, if uh, some of this toxicity around the program continues, I understand people are fired up and upset about the offense. I am, I've been highly critical. You know, I, I absolutely am shocked at uh, the performance on offense this year. I'm shocked at, uh, you know, how the plan has sort of unfolded and, and, and digging into it and figuring out exactly what's been going on. You know, this is a, this is kind of violates one of my opinions on, on, on pro style offenses at South Carolina. Um, you know, you look at it and you think, well, this, the LSU offense means Lincoln Riley and you get fired up because on paper, that's what it's supposed to be. But you don't, you know, you, you haven't really seen that. Uh, Carolina doesn't have the players really to go run something like that. You know, this is a team that heading into the year should have been solid on the offensive line. I'm not saying great, but I'm saying better than they have been and being able to run the football with good running backs. Um and the shame of it is, is the, the receivers have been actually better than expected. I mean, Josh Van's already got a career high receptions and yardage. Uh, I mentioned Jaheim Bell earlier. Uh, Nick Muse has caught 12 balls this year. Jalen Brooks, who's away from the team right now, I don't know why. Uh, he was coming on, catching passes. You've got a guy like Juju McDowell back there, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, those guys. I mean, you know, you, you've got players. Uh, you know, in my opinion, um, to be better than you were last year. Now, last year, it was basically Shy Smith and Kevin Harris. And so a little bit of Nick Muse every now and then. And if, it, you know, Mike Bobo was dialing it up, he had a good knack, I think, for working around weaknesses. Uh, Marcus Satterfield has not shown that. Uh, it almost seems like a like he's a protest, vote, you know, protest guy. <laughs> I'm in a protest and just run what I want to run and uh, not worry about it. You know, don't simplify it. I mean, you know, and, and look, uh, people talk play calling, play calling, play calling. It, it's not just the in-game play calling that makes no sense. It's, uh, it's the whole design of the offense, the scheme, uh, the difficulty learning it. Uh, that's an issue, you know, and look, that's fine. Uh, I want you Gamecock fans to, compartmentalize a little bit because yeah, it's quite possible Shane Beamer made a mistake hiring Marcus Satterfield. Okay. 
but there's a lot of coaches that have made mistakes. I mean, hiring guys. I mean, it's just kind of uh, – it's one of those things. The question is, do you fix it? Do you fix it? So um, that's my question. You know, and look, even the play calling, and I've got this, uh, through seven games, from your own one-yard line to your own 20, 48% pass, 52% rush. That number is the same from your own 21 to the 39. And then this is when it gets interesting. From your own 40, uh, from between the 40s, 53% running, 47 pass. Uh, and they've run the majority of their plays between their own 20 and the opponent's 40. That's uh, There's like 279 plays. Uh, the other is 42, 76, 58. Now, here's where it gets interesting. When you get to the opponent's 39 to 21, he's running the ball to 64% clip. And then inside the 20, 52%. But inside the 10, it's double the number of passes. So, I, you know, I don't know what the deal is here. You know, it, it just seems like a grab bag of plays. Uh, kind of a wild, wild uh, – uh, split and thanks to my good friend Matt uh, for providing that information for me. Um, and and you know so so yeah, there's a lot to be angry with about the offense. And I know you guys have watched some bad offenses around here, some underachieving offenses, if you will, um, or some schizophrenic offenses like in 2018 where you'd go and you know, get shut out for a half and then score 24 in the second or whatever. Um, so I get it. I totally get it, but, you know, it doesn't do anyone any good to withdraw your support from the head coach right now because there is a lot of good that he's done. And you may be mad about some calls. Don't, you know, he should have kicked the field goal here. Well, that's fine, man. That's coaching. That's a 50-50 call. Um, You know, probably the most egregiously bad thing was the series down on the goal line against Tennessee when it was just 14 to nothing. Uh, head coach really needs to overrule that. He owned it. Shane Beamer owned it. But look, I mean, these guys are still recruiting. They're still trying to win football games. Uh, I just, I think it's ridiculously counterproductive to keep going on and on and on about, you know, Billy Napier or Jamie Chadwell or whoever else uh, you want to talk about that was up for this job. Uh, I just, you know, that's not it. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to live with it. Um, if you don't deal with it and enough of you out there abandon ship, then this program is going to go into the abyss. It's going to go into a, a sinkhole. You know, South Carolina doesn't have a lot going for it, right? Great facilities, play in the SEC, access to talent geographically, but if there's not fan support, I mean, you know, gosh, what other SEC program that's serious about football is, you know, not coming to the stadium? I mean, it took Arkansas just having some awful, awful happenings on the field for those guys to abandon ship. Um, Vanderbilt, I guess, is that your your uh, standard? You know, Missouri? Those teams don't really get, you know, their crowds are sort of mediocre. But anyway, look, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not personally criticizing any fans out there with about all this. I, I don't think that, 
you know, if I ask 10 of you, well, why didn't you go to the game? I mean, I'm going to get 10 different answers and they're probably all going to be legit. It's a free country. You can spend money and time however you want it. And believe me, TVs are awesome. And believe me, not having to deal with the crap at the stadium is awesome. <laughs> uh, no doubt. But I think that there's a there's a portion out there, at least, at least what I look at, you know, and I'm not just talking about on the big spur, I'm talking about social media and everything else that, you know, some some of you think that, you know, if you protest and not don't show up, that, you know, they're going to fire Tanner and Beamer and everybody else and start anew after this year. And this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. I mean, you know, Will Muschamp was a more unpopular hire than Beamer. Um, I think it was probably 55, 45 people would give him a chance. Beamer's like 75 to 80. Uh, You know, only a few stragglers out there, whatever, uh, with him. But, you know, Muschamp's crowds his first year were not good. Didn't really help anybody. Um, you know, now Beamers are worse. And, and, you know, look, like I said, we've been through COVID. I understand some of you don't want to go because of that. I understand TVs. I understand all the litany of reasons. I'm speaking in general. This program will never be good again at all, period, if uh, enough people decide to take their ball and go home. I mean, because that's the one thing South Carolina's always had going for it. And, you know, you don't want to be a fan anymore? Fine. Don't complain. Don't complain when things don't go well. Because you're not ever going to win without support, which is what this program has been kind of famous for over the years. I mean, first year under Sparky Woods, place was packed almost every game. First year under Brad Scott, packed. First year under Lou Holtz, even at 0-11, the crowds were better. Steve Spurrier certainly had a lot of fan support. So, you know, look, I I don't know what it is. I'm not coming down on – I know that 90% of you are like, what are you talking about? But – and I know it's bad to watch (laughs) offensive football. I mean, the game game this past Saturday, Carolina came back and won, and I agree with Shane Beamer that he and his players need to celebrate wins. Um, because, you know, you could have lost, obviously, and that would have been embarrassing, but they won. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take, uh, you know, personally, uh, I've just been, you know, I watched the, uh, somebody on YouTube shot a low angle, like the whole drive that Zeb led and it was just embarrassing. I mean, the student section was embarrassing. West side was embarrassing. East side was the zone was. I mean, it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing at the end of that game. Um, so anyway, let's just hope. I hope the state fair kept some of you away. I know that's an annoying time, and you know it used to be you could get out of Williamsburg Stadium after a game pretty quick, but they they changed the traffic pattern a little bit. I guess the last time I was around there, gosh. Trying to get out for a game was like 2017, I think. It, it took forever, you know, parking someplace and all that. We were heading to Charleston, and it just took forever. Uh, it used to be decent traffic. So, I I get it. I understand. But uh, that was a one-point game and a last-minute win. And 
the stadium's half full, and it was uh, allegedly the smallest crowd for an SEC game since Vandy in 93. It was a 22 to nothing win. But, um, you know, and look, I'm not begging anybody to show up. I'm just stating a fact. If South Carolina loses its fan support, I mean, you're in the SEC. You may as well just get in the Conference USA. Uh, they're about to fold. Maybe the Sun Belt. You know, if if, you, if that's the way football at this university is going to be supported, then, you know, get in the Sun Belt because you have much more in common with those schools than any SEC program. And that's just a fact. Uh, and like I said, I, fans are the last people I'm going to call out. I know you guys have been through a lot. Uh, and like I said, individually, I could probably talk to a bunch of you and you would tell, you know, you'd have great reasons why. But I do feel like there's a protest vote out there uh, and people that are getting, you know, that think that they're so important that, that you know, they're just not going to show up and that'll that'll force some change and you know, there's some really radical ideas out there. Fire a football coach after seven games. Yeah, that's smart. Um, at that point, who, who's going to coach here? Nobody. Nobody good. You can dig up somebody else. You know, you can go get uh, drag Houston Nutt out of retirement if you want to. Uh, nothing against Houston Nutt. You know, but that's kind of what you're looking at. Maybe Rich Rodriguez will take it again. You know, I'm sure he'd like to get back in. Terry Bowden. I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously, guys. I mean, you know, that that's you know, a fire coach seven games in, that that's what's gonna happen. The offensive coordinator is a different matter. Um, and I think that there's a complete lack of big picture, you know, and, and when you're not playing well and you're not scoring and you're you know, you're struggling to beat Vandy, struggling to beat Troy, struggling to beat East Carolina, really struggled against Eastern Illinois a little bit, all things considered. Um you know, I, I get it. People are not going to be happy, but, you know, it's also not a license. I mean, there's really one primary thing wrong, and that's a big part of it, the offense. But, uh, you know, that's something that's going to have to be fixed either for the remainder of this season or in the offseason. You know, I mean, that's just that's just how it is right now. And, um, you know, so I hope there's a better crowd for Florida. I really do. I, I think uh, – Obviously, the Gators will travel better than Vandy. Um, they're not too happy down there either. But, um, you know, I, I just kind of hope there's a better crowd there. But I, mean, I, I get it. But, you know, but you have people now upset with Beamer because he's positive in his press conferences. You know, people are talking about, you know, they, they don't like what he says to the media. And I'm like, dude, he, he's just – he's trying to keep his team together. I mean – you don't think Shane Beamer knows they're struggling on offense right now? You know? Uh, and I get it because Muschamp was a, a little bit coy. That's an understatement about injuries and things like that. And so everybody got sick of going to the ballpark every weekend and you know, half the team was on the bench and you didn't know why. I get it. But, you know, this picking apart everything Shane says to the media is ridiculous. Because, listen, the bottom line is, and I don't know, maybe some of you are younger and you don't remember, you know, there's one Steve Spurrier, and Steve Spurrier's going to deal with the media in a different way than a lot of coaches. Uh, but Lou Holtz coached here, okay? Lou Holtz pumped up every opponent like they were the 85 Bears. Do you not remember that? Probably not, you know? 
Uh, and, you know, Holtz was good with, for a quip or whatever. Uh, but, you know, lots of coaches from around the country take a similar approach to Shane Beamer. And, you know, you, you're upset because of the offense. You're upset with the offensive coordinator. You know, it does – the buck does stop with the head coach. But, you know, I, I think some people are just kind of picking apart everything now because it's frustrating to watch a team that can't score points. And believe me, I agree with you. But I'm just saying, guys, gals, supporters of the Gamecocks, it's never going to get any better if too many of you out there abandon ship. Abandon ship. It's not – and, and you know, look, we're all South Carolinians, and, or most of us. And we, we love to fall on the sword around the state of South Carolina. We don't like being told what to do, which is probably why some of you are mad at me right now. And you love to fall on the sword and just, you know, that's it. We're done. We're done. You know, and make these declarations, knowing the next week you're going to be tuning in and reading and watching and all that. We're done until this, you know, and, and it just, I get it. You know, in our state, that's kind of how who we are. You know, I'm, believe me, I'm from there. <laughs> so is my family. You know, I get it. There's a fierce independent streak that, you know, causes us to do sort of some strange self-destructive things. I'm not going to go back to the Civil War, okay? Obviously, that was a self-destructive move. <laughs> um, but, hey, they were first. But, uh, you know, I'll go back to leaving the ACC with this athletic program, leaving the conference. Thought Clemson was coming with you. Sent the whole athletic program into the wilderness for 20 years. You know, should have stayed. <laughs> At the end of the day, should have stayed. Now, I, I think South Carolina has been in the SEC now for 30 years, 40 years, 30, 30 years. Uh, so they have a longer history there than the ACC. But, you know, to, to go back, tell me how that worked out. Okay, just we're going to take our ball and go home. I'll tell you this right now. No, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. You know, and, and we, you know, as a people, we don't like being told what to do. State of South Carolina, you know, I, going back to the real ID thing a couple of years ago, you know, and I, I don't remember the details of the story, but I believe our state was one of the last ones to jump on that. Uh, no big deal. It's you verify your ID and, and all that good stuff. But uh, I think South Carolina was the last one and refused it. And I don't know. But uh, I get that that's kind of the mindset. I do. I'm one of you. But I'm saying if 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 you expect Shane Meemer to to build a uh, higher level football program than what exists now without fans showing up and with constant toxicity. Uh, and when I say toxicity, I'm not talking about the legit criticism of the offense and offensive coordinator. I'm talking about things like Luke Doty will never be a great SEC or good SEC. Not, not great. Luke Doty will, is not even a starter in this league. Those declarations based on what? based on a couple of games last year, based on playing with a hurt foot this year. I know it got ugly. I know he played ugly. But Luke's a developmental quarterback. He's in a daggum scheme this year that's 
shoot, hard for pros to learn. You know, he was injured, that kind of thing. Uh, give the guy a break. I'm talking about things like, you know, people calling out the fact that there are transfers from Group of Five and FCS on this roster. And I asked somebody today on the message board, I'm like, well, who, who you want to throw back that came from a lower level? Jordan Strong, Carlos Platel, David Spalding. All those guys have made big plays for the Gamecocks, right? Platel's forced fumbles, Spalding had a pick six. Uh, who else did I mention? Uh, Jordan Strong had an interception against Vandy. Good player. All those guys are good players. You know, going to throw back Jalen Foster, midseason All-American, best safety play I've seen at South Carolina in about five years. You're going to throw back him. Uh, Nick Muse, because he came from William and Mary. And and people people are people literally will sit there and criticize Nick Muse just because he went to William and Mary and transferred up. Same with Jalen Brooks. If Jalen Brooks had come in from high school and been, and he's not, you know, with the team right now, obviously there's undisclosed reason, but you know, he's six, two and a half, he's 200 pounds. He's runs four, four, five, you know, his hands have been iffy, but athletically, if he'd have come in as a freshman and not gone to Wingate, nobody would say anything about it, you know? And, and, and so things like that, I mean, people are starting to criticize that. I'm like, look, criticize it all you want, but, you know, there are a lot of guys that came up from the lower levels that are some of the best players on this team, you know, and that's not even talking about a guy like EJ Jenkins who should be utilized a little bit more. So, you know, I don't know. I, I've just heard some crazy things in the last 24 hours from this fan base that just kind of made me go, hmm. you know, I think, I think some people have the wrong idea about it. There is uh there's one thing wrong and it's a big one. Okay. And the head coach is going to have to fix it uh, one way or the other. Hopefully it'll maybe straighten, it, straighten itself out. Who knows? You, you never know. Uh, I've seen offensive lines, gel, Auburn. A few weeks back, Auburn was just, uh, not happy with their O-line play. It's been an issue there for years. You know, watch them against uh, Arkansas this past weekend. They came together nicely. Protection, run game, you know. And I will tell you right now, I'm not confident that will happen at Carolina this year. But these guys are capable, you know. And, and so if somebody – if it turns around, great. If it doesn't, there's decisions to be made. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. I'll say this, too, on the offensive line, just an observation I've had. I like Wanamaker out there at right tackle. I actually think he's played slightly better than Dylan Wanham, who's been hurt. And I would also consider this – and, I, you know – I kind of went back and looked at Eric Douglas last year and then talked to a couple of contacts about him. And, you know, I I may, and I'll admit this, I I may have overestimated how good he actually was last year at center. And it was basically because you just didn't hear from him. You know, the snaps were good. He was there. He's kind of leader of the offensive line. But they had a scheme around him a bit last season. And um, he's getting – blown up a little bit. So I don't know, Hank Manos, Vinny Murphy. You know, I know Manos has a two-game body of work that most of you don't like. Maybe Vinny Murphy could be the center 
I don't know. Uh, you know, I would – if I'm Greg Atkins, Marcus Satterfield, I'm considering making those changes. Wanamaker uh, full-time there at right tackle, maybe rotate Wanam in, maybe move him to guard. I don't know. Uh, and then maybe play another center, which probably isn't going to happen because you go down the road with your center this long. But uh, Eric Douglas is struggling. So, yeah, there, there's something I was wrong about, folks. I, I probably should have, you know – been a little more skeptical because last year, you know, he came in, they moved him to center and he immediately wins the starting job. And you just don't hear much about him. You kind of just assume, well, you know, but uh, he's been struggling. He's been struggling with all this. And just like the rest of them, he's confused. I think Wanamaker and Murphy actually look less confused. Maybe it's because they're younger and, you know, they hadn't, you know, really been indoctrinated with the previous schemes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is there. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's my little rant about uh, the crowd and things like that. I just, you know, look, I just – look, like I said, I'm not blaming you guys for not going to the games. I'm not preaching to you. Uh, I understand, you know, individually. Uh, I'm making a general observation about the fan base and saying that if people abandon ship – this soon uh, into a coaching tenure, nobody's going to come coach here at all, whether Beamer makes it or not. And you're going to have to live with Shane Beamer at least for like three years, I think, maybe more, you know. Um, so deal with it. I mean, that's your head coach. Uh, and your head coach, no matter who it is, is not going to succeed uh, without support. And, and that's the bottom line. Uh, is support you know people want to know sometimes why when men's basketball can't sustain anything it's because of a perceived lack of support now i've changed a little bit on that um i think when you look at the numbers the dagum arena is too big and the administration hasn't done much to change that i mean they've, they've done a few things here and there you know hey you can move down and upgrade your seats and it's all electronic and all that but yeah, you look at Colonial Life Arena, nine, ten thousand people there for a game. It's only half full, you know, and that's a good crowd for SEC basketball. Ten thousand people is a big crowd. So anyway, um, just uh, just going off that and all that. I, I just you know I, I hope you guys focus your negative attention toward what needs to be focused on. That's the offense. It's the offense. I think, I think the defense, you know, we, we, we sit here a lot when one side of the ball is struggling and we tend to overpraise the other side or the other two phases. I, you know, the defense is good, not great. Um, when I look at it, I, you know, I think there's going to be some recruiting that they're going to have to do to kind of get a lot better and more talented. You know, the secondary is pretty young uh, in terms of the depth behind some of the starters. And they've got a bunch of guys coming in next year, you know, at safety uh, in corner two, you know, and they're going to be pretty good players. They're going to be young next year. Uh, you know, linebacker is obviously a spot. They need some guys. Um, you know, they're going to have to replace some defensive line, linemen. Um Next year. So, so, so I, I think with the defense, and, and I think this is what you want to do when you're in a first year, your first year someplace, you just want to maximize what you have. 
you know, I, I don't, you know, there's not like a, oh, this is a four win team. This is because that's, that's not, and, you know, and the people out there that say there's no talent, that's wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I mean, is it beat Georgia good? Is it uh, win the SEC good? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. It's good enough to be a, a team this season that meets the minimum standard of this program which has been established over the last 20 years until recently, which is six, seven wins in a bowl. Um, and you got to start somewhere. I mean, I know none of you are going to get fired up about going to the Birmingham Bowl, but, you know, it's a first year of a new coaching tenure. And you've got to, you know, take your small victories. And there is an opportunity there to still, with five games left, to, to really do well. <laughs> There's still an opportunity. Um, which is why it's dumb to abandon ship after seven games, if that's what you're doing. You know, I just don't think it's uh, it's not smart. But, um, you know, is the talent level um, great? No. Is it, uh, you know, and some people are like, well, they were two and eight last year. Well, it was two, two wins of two SEC wins. You know, some actually decent South Carolina teams over the years have gone two and six in the SEC. You know. The team was good enough to beat Auburn last year uh, in the COVID year. Uh, a lot of these guys beat Georgia and Kentucky two years ago. I mean, you know, l- l- let's get real here. I mean, it, it's not like the cupboard is completely bare uh, and, and Beamer didn't take over a good situation. The problem on offense right now is it's a dumpster fire, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, I think the defense is maximizing and special teams have been solid, you know. So, so, so look, there's more than one – and, look, I understand. It's frustrating to watch offensive football not do well. Um, and it's frustrating sometimes, I think, when you hear the offensive coordinator talk about, you know, not, like I said, I don't, I don't like to put a lot of stock in what they say to the media, but when you just hear things like, oh, Bell needs to touch it three times a game, that's – <laughs> he caught six for 132 the other day. Maybe you should consider getting into him more, you know. And I know 82 yards was on one play, but he had another one where he fumbled. So, I, you know, I, I just think that uh, – I, I understand the frustration. I, I just think that jumping off the bandwagon, as far as Shane Beamer goes and being the head coach, and, you know, you hear things like, well, we hired a tight ends coach, blah, 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 blah. That's just stupid. Come on. I mean, that that has nothing to do with anything right now. You know, judge him as the head coach and his ability to maximize his staff and maximize his program. And that's what you want to do in your first year, maximize. And two out of the three phases of the game, they're absolutely doing that. Like I said, the defense isn't great. I'm not sitting here saying that uh, they are uh, elite in this league. They're not. They're kind of probably middle of the pack, force some turnovers. They're a gritty bunch. You know, they need to upgrade some talent. Um, but they're maximizing. And the same thing should be happening on offense. And had it, you know, I think Carolina would be a, sitting five wins right now. You know, and I don't want to hear the stupid Vegas thing either. Oh, under over under was that – People that repeat that are just not even – they haven't even gone back and looked at the Vegas over-under for the past five, six, seven, eight years and seen how off it's been. You know, let's, I mean, that's not the, – the, the Vegas sets numbers, okay? They, they're good. 
they research it. They know what they're talking about, you know, but they're not always right. I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, we're screwed because Vegas says this. I think a lot of people think that because a lot of people in 2019, you know, nobody saw the loss to North Carolina coming. Uh, you know, the over-under was five and a half, and people were like, oh, that's easy money, and then it didn't happen. So everybody's just like, oh, I better pay attention to what to this more. And this is not true. I mean, you go back in time, and they have rarely, rarely been right about the Gamecocks and a lot of teams. Okay. So that there's that. Um, so anyway, you know, that, that's kind of my state of things sort of deal. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, this team's got work to do. It's, it's going to be a tall task Saturday night. Uh, they got an open date. You got Florida Missouri, Auburn and Clemson after that. Three of those four games are at home. The road game is at Missouri. Uh, so, you know, there's still an opportunity out there. Uh, okay, so like I said, Texas A&M's hitting its stride. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to now start Prediction Friday. And then we've got mailbag questions. Um, prediction Friday is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane Realtor. Uh, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate for over 35 years and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs, buying, selling, uh, going and looking for things. Real estate's tough these days, guys, but Cindy Searfoss can help you. 864-414-5271, 864-414-5271, or email csearfoss at cbcane.com. That's C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcbcane.com. Call a banker, Kane Realtor, Cindy Searfoss. Uh, right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Uh, again, proud sponsor of Prediction Friday, Thursday, whatever the weekly prediction is. Uh, Cindy's got us covered, so I really appreciate that. All right, so the numbers heading into this game. All right, Aggies are 78th nationally in total offense. Game guys are 102nd. Total D, Aggies are 44th. Gamecocks are 34th. Run defense, Aggies are 56th. Gamecocks are 74th. Uh, passing defense, passing yards allowed. Gamecocks are 16th in the country. Aggies 53rd. Passing offense, Aggies are 90th. You wouldn't think that with the Jimbo Fisher coach team, uh, but they've had some quarterback issues. Obviously, he played the game of his life against Alabama. Uh, played pretty well at Missouri, too, although their ground game really chewed up the Mizzou defense like most teams have been doing. I'm really going to be curious to see when Carolina goes out to Como for the Missouri game if South Carolina is able to get the ground game going against those guys. That's going to be the, like, telltale, I think. Everybody's been able to run it against Missouri. The game has to go out there and get stuffed. That's just that's going to be awful. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen out there. <laughs> um Turnovers uh, forced. Aggies are 65th. Gamecocks are third in the country at turnovers call. So those are kind of some of the stat lines. Like I said, Isaiah Spiller and Kane uh, is the other guy that, uh, boy, you really got to look out for. Averaging seven yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns for him. 
Spiller, 6.28, four rushing touchdowns for him. They can flat out run the football. And South Carolina's run defense has been a bit suspect. They're going to have to tighten that up. They're going to have to tighten that up quite a bit on that side of the ball to have a shot at staying in this one. And uh, two years ago, one score game sort of late, and then it got away from the Gamecocks last year. It was never a game. Um, yeah, gone out there before, played within a touchdown. So uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting football game. After looking at Texas A&M statistically, uh, I think they're immensely talented and they have a huge advantage talent-wise and player-wise, playmaker-wise, just you name it. Statistically, though, it's not a huge uh, huge bunch of difference. Now, A&M's played Alabama. They played Arkansas. They played a road game at Colorado, another Power 5 team. You know, South Carolina's played three group of five – or I'm sorry, two group of five teams, Vanderbilt and Eastern Illinois. Uh, in addition to Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So, I don't – you know, comparing the stats may not be as valid as uh, if this were one where they both kind of played the same number of quality opponents. But, you know, so, so I'll go ahead and break it down. Uh, turnovers, South Carolina committed for the last uh, last week. That's got to stop. Can't turn the ball over out there. Uh, that's been an issue, you know. Will Zeb Nolan be able to hang in there? Can you protect him well enough to avoid turnovers, that kind of thing? Sometimes Zeb passes get away from him. Um, you know, the penalties need to stop. Uh, Gamecocks got a lot of penalties last week. Uh, it'd be nice if somebody would call holding on the opposing offense. I think I read a stat where that's only happened once this year. So, so you're telling me that you play Georgia and Kentucky and Tennessee and they, those guys haven't held, you know, the zebras uh, have not been uh, kind to the Gamecocks at time this year. Uh, they got to find a way to protect. Like I said, my suggestion would be start Wanamaker and find a new center. I don't think they've done that in practice, but who knows? Um, you know, maybe dumb dumb and dumb down the protection scheme a little bit. Maybe, maybe we see Trey Jones coming back at fullback this week, which is something we thought we saw last week, but we didn't see it. Um, and then I'm gonna go into this. You know, the defense has to slow Speller. And a cane. I, I don't know that it's realistic they're going to s- totally stop those guys. But what you want to get AM into is like third more than six. Because they're going to kind of do it. Jimbo's going to call it kind of by the book and they're going to try to pass. And, you know, when the, you got to hope the quarterback, um, Zach Calzada, does not have a game like he had against, uh, against Alabama. Uh, he is completing 56% of his passes. That's not a super-duper number. Um, Ten touchdowns, six interceptions. He's been sacked 11 times. So, you know, we'll kind of see sort of what happened. By, by comparison, Doty's been sacked 12 times. So South Carolina's pass rush needs to get off. Now, to get to the point where the pass rush is going to even matter, you know, the Gamecocks have to be able to slow the run. I mean, I, I sort of think what Jimbo is going to do is line up and run it. I think t- uh, on defense, AM probably feels like they can get pressure with their front four. Um, so they're going to try to make it kind of difficult on the passing game. Um, 
you know, I sort of look at this too, you know, this offense, I've been talking about how it may just not be the type of scheme that this team is equipped to run well with the issues at quarterback and because it is sort of a passing offense. I mean, if you sort of look at what people ask me what the hell it is, and I'm, you know, I'm like, well, it's, it looks sort of like a, you know, the, the looks like it's more Joe Brady than anything else. And it, you know, that that's a pass happy system. This this may be just the game to go out and if if you're able to protect, chunk it around. You know, get some guys involved in the passing game. Go out there with the mentality you got to score. You know, this is not one that I mean, you know, I, I guess if you got it in the fourth quarter, that'd be great. But you can't just sit around and, and wait for that to happen. Um, but the run game, you know, with some of these guys banged up in the backfield, it may not even matter. This this may be a game where Carolina absolutely just has to go out, bombs away, try to protect Zeb, get some, get some Juju McDowell going, that kind of thing. Because, uh, you know, the, the chances of – you know, I don't know, being stellar. I mean, Aggies do have a really good run defense, um, top 60 in the country. You know, we're probably slim with everything that's uh, going on in the backfield and all that. But this is maybe a game where you go out and fire it around the ball yard to see what happens. <laughs> um, now, you go three and out over and over, and then they're dragging your defense all over the field, and it's going to be a quick night. But uh, – you know, maybe trying to connect some in the passing game is good. You know, there's a lot that I would still like to see uh, in terms of taking some shots and things like that to some guys and some receivers like E.J. Jenkins playing more, you know, but we'll see sort of what happens. Defense, I think it's got to slow the two backs uh, and get into those situations where your pass rush can be a factor. And, you know, this defense this year has been really good with the pass rush impacting the passer and turning the ball over, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, if you can get your pass rush going, get them in the third and whatever, third and six, seven, eight, um, I think the Gamecocks can have some success against Calzada pressuring him. Now, like I said, he's gotten better. Uh, he was really struggling. Uh, and then Bama was a coming out party for this kid. So, you know, if you're the Gamecocks, those are the things that need to happen if you're going to have any shot at winning. Um, I do think A&M will have a good game plan. Jimbo Fisher, 4-0 against the Gamecocks, 3-0 at A&M, 1-0 at Florida State, the 2010 Chick-fil-A Bowl. Jimbo E.J. Manuel beat the Gamecocks SEC East Championship team, 26-17. You know, so, I mean, they've got a lot of good coaches on that staff. I mean, it's a it's a good coaching staff, and they had a lot of high at lofty expectations this year. Got kind of knocked down a bit after Haynes King, their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, was hurt. Um, but they beat Alabama finally. That's a big deal out there. You know, there's a lot of history between Alabama and uh, Texas A&M, and anytime they can beat them, they're happy. Uh, and then followed that up with a big, a dominant win at Missouri last week, where the you know, Missouri's offense isn't bad. A&M's defense really got after them. It wasn't much of a game. So, you know, if you're South Carolina, you just got to kind of hope beyond hope things click offensively this week. I do not think they will. I, I just can't predict it. Like I said last week, you know, and I picked 23 to 3 again as a 21 point. I expected to give up 20. But I think Vandy changing the quarterback situation up. 
really help them because Wright was a little bit different to prepare for, and it was all big plays where they lost contain. Can't give up big plays in this one either like you did last week. Got to clean that up. And, and if I have anything for the defense, it's like clean it up. You know, clean up the, the bus, clean up the missed assignments, that kind of thing. Go play your game. Take the fight to the other team. Um, at night, College Station, loud place to play, 100,000-plus, great stadium. Great fan base, really, out of Texas A&M. A&M has completely dominated the series with the Gamecocks. There have been, what, one, two, there's three games in the Muschamp, or, or one game under Sean Elliott, and then, you know, two in the Muschamp era that could have gone either way. You know, 17, that was that was when I decided Kurt Roper – Finally, I'd said, well, this, this is enough. Because you you follow up a 17-16 nail-biter against Louisiana Tech where they shut you out for three quarters. You go out there, you're up 17-7. Jake Bentley's dealing. It's when he was hot uh, throwing the football. Beautiful, well-designed drive. He hits Ortray Smith for a touchdown. You're up 17-7. And then you get the ball back. Defense gets the ball back. And you just run it. Up the middle. It's almost like they were going in turtle mode trying to to melt the clock. Uh, or maybe it was because they were asking Jake to read the box every play and he, he read right and then AM stunted. John Chavis was the D coordinator then. And they lost 24-17. And then the next year, bad first half, 16 nothing. They were down, but they came back and rallied. Rally wasn't enough. See, so game guys have had some chances, but 7 0 is 7 0. And AM's ranked 17th. They're on a roll right now. You know, I don't, Hancock's again are catching them at a tough time. I thought, I thought the last two, two meetings between the two, which have been blowouts, Carolina's kind of caught them when they've been hitting their stride, uh, both in 19 and last year in 20. And of course, in 14, uh, they opened like gangbusters. Kenny Hill was a Heisman contender. Uh, and then they kind of came back to the pack, but Carolina had already played them 52-28 in Columbia. So, you know, th- those are the keys to the game. I, you know, I I would be lying if I said I had a lot of faith that this is the week the Gamecocks turn it around. Um, I think it's going to get somewhat ugly. Uh, I think that for those of you that have wanted to see Jason Brown play quarterback this year, maybe – you know, maybe they give him some some a shot or some reps. I don't know uh, if it does get sort of ugly. Uh, but, you know, you, you just sort of look at the personnel. You look at the momentum of the two teams. You look at the fact it's been seven games now. Carolina absolutely cannot score. And, and I just don't think South Carolina is going to have enough. You know, uh, the hope is, and that, that's why I laid out everything, turnovers, penalties, protect, run game may not matter. You know, stop Spiller and all those guys, but but I just don't th- I don't think it's going to happen. I I think it's going to kind of be like the nineteen game where there's some question. You know, the game's sort of in question, um, at least in the first half, and A and M pulls away. Prediction: Texas A and M thirty eight, South Carolina seven. Gosh, that's maybe the worst loss I predicted for the Gamecocks this early in the season in a while. And you're like, well, JC, you just said, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up on the big picture, but you know, this year's team 
obviously they can't score. And I just don't have faith that they're going to be able to protect. Like, like here's my thing. I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to protect even if A&M doesn't blitz, you know, I think they can get pressure with four, and that's a recipe for disaster when you got Zeb Nolan back there because he's just not that fleet of foot. And if you can rush four and drop seven or rush three and drop eight, that's when the turnovers start happening. (laughs) So, you know, that's just kind of how I envision it happening. Hope I'm wrong. Gosh, I'd love to get on this podcast next week and talk about how wrong I was about that game. Um, and it's a transformative victory for the Gamecocks. But until it happens, until I see this offense do more, it's hard to predict that. You just got to go with what you see. I just don't have any faith right now in it happening. Um, all right, I help Consulting Mailbag coming your way. Uh, keep telling you about I help Consulting, and I will tell you that you can uh, save. All right, here we go. Daniel, I help consulting, said that he recently saved a customer more than $48,000 annually. And the average savings that he can help you find is more than two grand annually. I think that, uh, I think that that's something to really sort of pay attention to, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I think that... Uh, that's what makes iHelp Consulting. You go to iHelpConsulting.com right now and, um, you know, get it going. Uh, he can help you with credit card processing, insurance, anything else. He can help your business find the most savings without sacrificing quality. And also, if he can't save you any money, you don't pay him anything. So you got to get with Daniel. Forty-eight grand is significant, folks. Uh, and what they do, they take a percentage of your savings. So you're not overpaying them to come consult, you know, and I know consult. I used to work in, I've had two stints in local radio and the local radio stations love these consultants. Oh my God. Oh, the consultants coming in. I mean, you sit there, you're on a show every day or you're a disc jockey or radio personality and you get a following going and some consultant from, gosh, I was in Greenville. So these people were from Charlotte or Atlanta. They come rolling in. And all of a sudden you lose listeners because they want to change your, your programming, you know, but that's not the type of consultant Daniel Owens is. I help consulting.com 843-372-5713. That's 843-372-5713. Visit I help consulting.com free consultation. And if he can't save you any money, you don't pay him anything. I help consulting. How can I help you a proud sponsor of the, I help consulting mailbag. Each and every single episode. Grover says, it's crazy how the offensive line cleaned up its act on the last drive. Looked like a different unit. Realized Vandy played prevent. Still no false starts or holding. Looks like if they could do it once, they could at least play clean most of the time. You know, Vandy... I think if they had it to do over again, I'd probably jailbreak, jailbreak blitz the Gamecocks because they're they're really, you know, Carolina Zeb just sort of picked them apart at the end against a prevent. I mean, I guess, hey, you know, in the NFL, <laughs> hate to even say this, but you know, right, Marcus Satterfield always talks about the NFL, you know, but 
how many times have you been watching on a Sunday? You got a minute 30 left and some, some team goes into prevent defense and boy, there you go. No pass rush. And then they lose the game. So just kind of crazy and, and all that. Uh, I appreciate the two tweeters. You can tweet at the big spur pod for um, the condolences on Sedona, the dog. Uh, so Mitchell chimes in. You can also go inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com uh, to get into the iHub Consulting mailbag. All right, so inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com as the iHub Consulting mailbag rolls on. Mitchell says, hope all is well. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of watching Vanderbilt commit Jaden McGowan of Lawrence play in person at a high school football game with a few friends of mine. It's not every day you get to see an SEC commit on the field, and he had the fastest speed from a high school prospect I've seen in years. I was thinking about it recently, and my question is, why did South Carolina quit recruiting them, even though they've gotten shorter playmakers with elite speed, such as Jemias Williams and Debo Samuel in the past? Well, I'll stop here right there. Debo is six foot, 215 pounds, <laughs> uh, significantly bigger than Jade McGowan. Um, Jam Williams, you know, they tried to play him at corner. It didn't work out. He's at Georgia State now as an offensive player. Probably should have been an offensive player. Um, it says, in addition, I thought that Shane Beamer's plan was going to be similar to what Tom Osborne did at Nebraska in the sense that the majority of his recruiting would be filled with in-state players. Uh, that's not what Tom Osborne did, Mitchell. He, uh, they had a walk-on program at Nebraska that was full of in-state players. And that's been kind of a point of contention out in Lincoln as the coaches have gone through over the years that they don't do that enough. Um, Mitchell goes on to say, while I understand that Georgia and Clemson will get their share, I think that's what has hurt Gamecocks in recent years. Guys like, uh, Jalen Hyatt. Tyon Evans, Trajan Jeffcoat, Mateo Durant, Zion Nelson, and others have gone to programs that are worse than equal to you and have outperformed the talent you have on your roster. I think if Beamer wants to win long-term, he has to get those types of kids no matter what your thoughts. Okay, so there, there's a couple of things here. Um, first of all, you know, I think the most egregious thing that happened as far as the in-state guys go, and you listed a lot of guys, you know, like Tyon Evans – uh, yeah, they probably should have gotten him. There was a reason, personal reason, he wanted to go to Tennessee and not South Carolina out of JUCO. Gamecocks recruited him. Des Kitchings came in. Wasn't really all that fired up about trying to flip him. Uh, he ended up going to Tennessee. Obviously, he's a really good back. Um, Jalen Hyatt, uh, old staff didn't take him. Trey John Jeffcoat, old staff didn't take him. Uh, Mateo Durantel's staff did not want him, and I don't know that he would have made that much of a difference. Uh, Zion Nelson, old staff didn't want him, but he was 6'4", 228 pounds. Coming out of Sumter, he got up to 240, and um, excuse me, um, and then all of a sudden put on the weight. Um, so he was kind of a hard guy to project. Now, there's receiver Virginia, the big tall kid they missed. So, so I think egregious, the egregious in-state thing uh, is probably more limited to receivers because you should always be able to get receivers at South Carolina from the in-state. Um, now, Jaden McGowan is just uh, simply too small uh, was the, the knock on him. Um, it, it, now, and I'll say this, 
you have to make great evaluations in the state of South Carolina and leave no stone unturned. Okay. I mean, I look at a kid like Malik Williams from Chester, who's a, was a quarterback in high school is now a receiver um, at app state. Really good player. Right. I think the Gamecocks could use him. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, and and that's the hard part is sometimes I think, Coaching staffs here have done that, and they've overlooked the guys in state. This staff's off to a pretty good start as far as leaving no stone unturned within the state of South Carolina. Did a good job getting some walk-ons in there and all that good stuff. Um, You know, nobody bats a 1,000 recruiting South Carolina. It's just there's always guys that pop up out of nowhere. You know, frankly, I think I think there's great high school football programs and coaches in the state. I think that the state high school league could do more uh, in terms of maybe uh, the model of, of spring practice and things like that that they have in other states that are pop- pumping out prospects. Um, and then it's just not – it's not a state that's recruited very heavily anymore. It used to be, uh, but it's just not anymore. Okay, you get your, your – big time guys and that's about it. But I, I agree with you in the broad sense. I think some of your specifics are, you know, aren't the best examples, but uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, in general, yes, you're absolutely right. And, and that's, you know, Mitchell, when I, when I talk about recruiting malpractice, I don't give a crap about star ratings uh, in terms of, Am I judging this to be a good class, decent class, average class, whatever? Um, and that's just because there are a lot of underrated guys in the state. Uh, you know, you're taking from tier two, uh, allegedly tier two, out of Georgia and Florida. Um, those guys can pan out. Uh, the state of North Carolina has guys that come out of nowhere sometimes that are where you go recruiting and Gamecocks are going to go recruit the Northeast and the DMV and all that. Um, and so when I look at South Carolina, as far as is this successful, a successful recruiting class or not, you know, I, I, I tend to look at it beyond the star ratings. And, and I'm going to say this too, uh, you know, with the portal, it's going to be even transfer portal. It's going to be even more that way where I think recruiting malpractice has happened over the years at South Carolina is it's hard enough being in a smaller state surrounded by the SEC. Now you got Matt Brown at North Carolina. You got Clemson. Everybody knows Florida State comes up here and gets players. Florida comes up and gets players. Um, You know, there's two things that you can't have happen. Number one, you can't lose a bunch of guys to like Georgia. You know, Georgia's going to come get a guy every now and then, like Channing Temple. Uh, That kind of thing is going to happen. Um. They got the kid Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney uh, during a transition year. Uh, Georgia every now and then will come into South Carolina and get a guy. They got A.J. Green when Steve freaking Spurrier was the coach. I mean, A.J. Green, <laughs> receiver, <laughs> didn't want to play for Spurrier. Uh, and so and I almost got Cliff Matthews too. Cliff came to South Carolina though. So, so Georgia will come in and get a guy. What, what you want to avoid, and this is the problem with losing to Tennessee – um, you, you don't want Tennessee to come in the state and start getting guys like they used to. You don't want Florida State coming up and getting guys like they used to. Uh, you know, you certainly don't want North Carolina coming into the state and getting guys like they used to. You can handle losing one to Georgia every now and then. That can't happen all the time. Uh, or Clemson. 
with the in-state guys. But, uh, you know, that's number – that would be the number – the first recruiting issue uh, when you're talking about South Carolina. The number two thing and what's the most egregiously bad thing is when you've got guys like some – not all of them, some of the guys you mentioned who are really good players who could have helped you, uh, especially positions that you need guys. Um and then you don't you don't pass on them. You know, Zion Nelson, I can I can you can swallow that, man. I mean, you know, you're gonna take a 228-pound offensive tackle. I don't know. You know, but Teo Durant was a guy that they liked but didn't love. Uh, you know, I think they recruited running backs pretty well. You know, Evans, I told you about him. Jalen Hyatt was egregiously bad because you know, they don't really have a lot of speedy guys at receiver, and he's really fast. You know, I, I think that uh you know, the kid at Virginia was was bad. I think Pinckney at Georgia State even would be a guy that uh, they could have used at receiver uh, this year. And, and that that position, there's no excuse for it never not to be good. You know, just, just in, I mean, think about all the receivers from the state of South Carolina that may not have even been, you know, outstandingly high recruited guys that end up playing pretty well. Um, so that was a good question, Mitchell. I appreciate it. And, you know, Jaden McGowan will, if they expand the amount of guys you can sign, will they maybe go back in and look at him? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, my guy, Hale McGranahan saw him and just said he was dramatically small. So that was, uh, that was the deal there. You know, Vandy needs all the speed they can get, obviously. But, um, and he's a great academic kid too, you know, Ivy League offers or whatnot. So Vandy's probably a good fit for him. But uh, you know, I, that's an interesting email for sure. Can't wait to get into recruiting and all that during the off season. Uh, Sean says, JC, tough news on Doty being out for the season. With Satterfield most likely coming back next season as the OC. Eh, Know about that? Could you see him tweaking the offense to make it more player friendly, especially for a quarterback, kind of like Greg Roman did for Lamar Jackson? Actually, no, I don't. I think Marcus Satterfield's going to run what he wants to run. He's been pretty clear about that. He keeps talking about uh, what this offense will be down the road and into the future, and acts like he's taking over a year zero situation. Uh, when obviously some adjustments could have been made already to make things a little simpler and to maybe have an effective offense. But I don't, I don't, you know, uh, doesn't seem to care. You know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but adapting and adjusting, I, I don't think so. He said, obviously, Lamar Jackson's an all-war quarterback, but they've built around him and highlighted his strengths. I think sometimes OCs get stubborn. I want to be complex to prove your worth. Ding, ding, ding. Also, can we hire Eric Wolford back? Maybe entice him with associate head coaching title. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to – I'm back on the not blaming Greg Atkins for this thing just based on some things I've heard. You know, Atkins hadn't forgotten how to coach offensive line. Um, Wolf did a great job – got a good job recruiting. I'm, I hate it that – the players he left behind, which he left the room in good shape. I hate it that, you know, they decided to do what they're doing with the blocking and all that. And I hate it that some of those guys haven't played well. And I mentioned uh, some earlier, Wanamaker, 
maybe playing more, Murphy playing more, Wanham and Douglas maybe playing less. I hate that because I, you know, I thought they had the makings of something decent, you know. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and I, I'm not going to call for anybody's job right now. But it, let's just say if I were making a change, Atkins would not be the first person I'd start with. Thanks, Sean. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And uh, Michael, good morning, JC. Sorry to hear about the loss of your dog. Thank you. I wanted to sort of clarify about Beamer and Doty. I don't think for a minute that Beamer would play someone that couldn't protect himself. I'm sure he meant, meant it more like healthy to the point where it couldn't get any worse or re-aggravate it. I think for me to say, and, and Michael emailed in and said Doty was around 70%. Uh, he wasn't just talking about the Vandy game. The foot obviously has limited his running ability and hurts mechanics at times. I agree with you there. And that, that was the big problem with hurting his foot because when when Luke Doty's footwork escapes him, he, he's not very good throwing the ball, you know. And that, that's why some of these folks that I kind of got on to early, I think are under the impression that he's just not very good because, you know, number one, he's pressured. Number two, his foot was hurting. And when that happens, your chances of – maintaining your fundamentals are slim for a young quarterback. Um, not ready to give up on him yet, though. He said, I do think Doty has improved, though, and never bought in that he sucked being put in an impossible situation last year or overreacting to a controlled scrimmage spring game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that people that continue to say that, I, I think that they're, you know, part of a very – you know, outside of one quarterback that obviously didn't really do what he needed to do while he was here, um, that played as a true freshman that could seem to do no wrong, everybody's very toxic around here about the quarterback. You know, that's kind of funny because it's been three in state kids Bentley, then Hill, and then uh, Doty. Bentley was technically from Opelika, Alabama, but uh, grew up obviously in the Burns district in Spartanburg. Um, so it's interesting, you know, eating your own a little bit there. Um, but hey, fans just want to win. They want to see good quarterback play. I think it gets magnified, you know, when your arch rival has Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence back to back, you kind of want your guy too. Um, but uh, yeah, the people that want to give up on Doty now, I mean, you know, come on. Now, look, I don't know that Luke Doty would be starting this week, even if he hadn't re-injured his foot uh, simply because Zeb came in and played better and it really did look like against Vandy as the game went on, things just started to unravel for him. After Bobo left for Auburn, Michael goes on. I think my first call would have been to Eddie Grant. I know his offenses at Kentucky weren't dynamic or flashy, but I think a lot he maximized what he could do, especially with the quarterbacks there. I know you don't hire a guy for just one or two years. But what he did at UK really fit well with the perceived strengths coming into this season. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like Eddie Grant a lot. I thought uh, it's kind of funny because Kentucky sort of does the same thing that they did uh, in certain games against the Gamecocks they did. But Grant loved to run the football. But then, you know, if you look at Eddie Grant's Cincinnati offenses when he was there, they were sort of wide open and threw it all over the place. So he's very adaptable. I think the style of play, I, I think Mark Stoops just said, Hey, look, you know, if we're ever going to take another step here, we need to put points on the board. 
you know, congratulations to Coach Stoops for kind of having that insight. But, uh, you know, as so they went and hired Liam Cohen from the Rams and of all the guys from the NFL that have come back, he's done the best. So, uh, yeah, I like Eddie Grant a lot. Honestly, if I'm Beamer and I make a change, he's probably around my top five, something like that, five or six. Uh, it wouldn't be a hire that necessarily blew the doors off. But you've got an experienced guy running a college offense who's also a great recruiter with ties to South Florida, which is an area you need to recruit, continue to recruit well. Uh, so there would be a lot worse hires you could make than Eddie Grand. Uh, Grand's a running backs coach, though, so he, he likes to bring his quarterbacks coach, Darren Henshaw, with him. Uh, and they're kind of tied to the hip, uh, tied at the hip or whatever. Um, so that would be interesting. But I, I don't – I don't know. I know Beamer knows him. I think they may have crossed paths somewhere. They know each other. Uh, but uh, you know, if there's a change made, I, you know, there's there's a lot of other guys out there uh, that I think will get looks too. Um, I just, you know, my my criteria for this is going to be someone that is proven to be able to call plays and run a good offense at the collegiate level. Uh, I think the NFL experiment thing can go horribly wrong on both sides of the ball, and you see it outside of South Carolina. You see it with Missouri's defense. They heard Steve Wilkes, and a former NFL head coach, to coach their defense. They're the worst defense in the SEC, you know? So you see it. You just see it. So I, I don't want to hear NFL. You know, if I, if I hear anything else about – the Green Bay Packers or the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs or, you know, if they were running with the Chiefs around, I don't know, you know, maybe that's what it's supposed to be. But, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm of the opinion that you have to have a scheme that's fun for the guys to play in, but they can also learn that maximizes your personnel and fits your personnel. And for the life of me, you know, I thought that, well, this may be a year that's going to have to run the ball a lot. But didn't look like they maximized the run game very well, did it? Because it's a lot of the a lot of NFL style stuff. Looks almost like the Chicago Bears at times, uh, without Justin Fields. So anyway, thanks, Michael, for your email. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. All right, that's prediction Friday, folks. Again, sorry for the short week. I uh, had some things go on earlier this week with the dog passing and stuff, but I'll be back next week with a A&M review. Um, and we'll talk about the open date, probably a couple of episodes next week, kind of resetting everything, getting to the, uh, the Florida game that will follow and, and all that good stuff. And can't wait to talk about all that with you guys and appreciate each and every one of you, especially with your condolences, uh, with the dog and uh, all that good stuff. So you guys are, are great. And I certainly appreciate the outpouring of great support um, for the podcast, for the big spur.com. And uh, you guys, you Gamecocks are really great people. Uh, got a lot of nice notes and messages from people that, uh, you know, we're concerned about the dog passing and all that good stuff. And uh, that's, uh, that's always kind of reinforces why I do things uh, is, is the human element of it, because I think ultimately what you do is you build communities and we all kind of are in this together and all that good stuff. 
All right. Thanks to iHelp Consulting for sponsoring the mailbag. Thank you again to Cindy Searfoss. Uh, 864-414-5271. Coldwell, 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 Banker Kane, Realtor, Daniel Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg. 35 years experience. 864-414-5271. Buying, selling, whatever you want to do, give Cindy a call. She sponsors the prediction episode segment every week, and we certainly appreciate that. I'm J.C. Sherbert. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy football, and uh, we'll holla at you soon.